Would you pray with me? Father, whether because of my words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken this morning. And whether we come with willing ears or stubborn ones, help us to hear. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Well, you've heard the gospel lesson already this morning, I'm sure. You don't even really need a sermon. I'm sure the moral of it is pretty obvious to you. We said last week, the one problem with our teachings about holiness is that they're not very practical, but this week's lesson could hardly be more practical. Go, linger, beside the pool of Bethsaida, and all will be well. You can't ask for many more practical tips than that. You can actually go there to the pool of Bethsaida. You could leave tomorrow. You can get a flight to Jerusalem, visit the ruins of the pool where there's still water gathered at the bottom. As recently as 70 years ago, that wasn't the case. Scholars thought that John must have been confused about the layout of Jerusalem, that he must have been describing a place that didn't actually exist. But back in the 1800s, archaeologists found a church there in roughly the spot that John described in Jerusalem. And then in 1964, some more archaeologists discovered a pool, a Roman pool, an ancient pool, there beneath the ruins of the church in Jerusalem. So go, book your flight today. That's your practical tip for holiness. Go and do likewise. You may not believe that's quite what God wants of you today. But I bet you do believe that there is great power to be found in being at the right place at the right time. That 50% of life is just showing up. I remember how bummed I was a few years back when I was reading an article, a, a bit of news about the greatest basketball team God's ever given us, the Duke Blue Devils. And I was reading an article that mentioned how Coach K takes the team for their pregame meals out to Kanji Kanji Steakhouse in Durham, North Carolina. And as I read that, I was so impossibly sad because for three years, I lived about a mile from Kanji Steakhouse in Durham, North Carolina. And if I had known, you had better believe that on any given night before a home game, you would have found me at Kanji Steakhouse up front eating something cheap and acting very nonchalant as if I was not waiting for anything in the world until the day when finally Coach K brought his team in and they were seated at the big hibachi table and one of his 43 graduate assistants looked over at me and said, hey, we've got an open seat. Why don't you stop waiting and just come sit with us? And while we were sitting there, I would casually mention that I'd really like the recent improvement they had made to their pick and roll defense. And one of the coaches would lean over and say, tell me more about that. And before you know it, I would be the 44th graduate assistant coach for the Duke Blue Devils with a front row seat to the national championship. And maybe it wouldn't work quite like that. But I can't help wondering what might have happened if I had hung out in the same places as Coach K. And you have to imagine that's more or less what our man was thinking in this story that we heard today as he sat beside the Bethsaida pool day after day. He probably was not thinking about Coach K, though we could not have blamed him if he was. But he was convinced that his very best hope lay in being at the right place at the right time. For 38 years he had been there, waiting and hoping 
At some point, he had decided that his best hope was to sit beside this pool. And your Bible might have a note in it that one legend about the pool is that an angel would come and stir up the waters there in Bethsaida. And that was when people would rush in, believing that the first person to make it to the pool would receive an act of healing. However it was that our man understood what was going on, the point is that he was there to find healing and he showed up there because he believed this was a place where God's power hung out. He kept showing up day after day, even after it was obvious that he was not going to be able to get himself anywhere near the water. He kept showing up in the hope that there was still another shoe to drop, a surprise that was waiting He kept showing up because he believed anything might happen if he just showed up. And maybe you know a little bit of what he felt yourself. Maybe you've known a long endurance with a physical challenge. Or maybe it hasn't been a physical experience for you. I guarantee every person here has known the kind of waiting our man knew in some period of spiritual frailty of brokenness, of hurt. There's been a time when it felt like everybody was rushing past you to the pool, that they were getting what you wanted out of your spiritual journey, and there you were laid out on the mat that you couldn't get yourself off of. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's somebody here who's never felt that way. If so, I hope you'll be patient with the rest of us. And I hope you'll be patient with me while I make a gentle suggestion that perhaps the reason you've never known that kind of heartbreak is because you've never truly allowed yourself to desire holiness. This is important and it is difficult. So I'm going to say it again real slow. If you have never felt spiritually broken, it may be because you've never really wanted holiness. Because here's what I do know. The moment you understand what holiness is, is the moment, and the moment that you truly want it will also be the same moment that you realize that you can't get there on your own. Day after day, this man wanted to be healed. He longed to be healed. He showed up every day knowing that it would take a miracle just for him to have the chance at another miracle. The one that he really wanted. And then finally, one day, here comes Jesus to the pool, and there in an instant, our man finds everything that he was looking for. He finds exactly what he had been looking for all along, and he finds it in a way and in a place and in a person he had never expected. And we said last week that we were going to make holiness practical. And maybe this is not exactly the most practical sort of story in your mind, so let me make it as simple as I can. We can't make ourselves holy. We can't make ourselves perfect. But we can hang out in the places that Jesus does. And Jesus can do for us everything we cannot do for ourselves. There is more power and more hope than any of us imagines if we will just hang out where God does. 
And it won't go according to plan. And it won't save you in the way that you expected. But oh my word, it is so amazing what can happen if you hang out where God does. And I bet you guessed by now, I'm not talking about physical places. I don't mean the pool of Bethsaida or even a really beautiful sanctuary. We don't have time for me to drill deep today on the chapter that comes before John chapter five, where Jesus says that true worship happens wherever it happens in spirit and in truth. And we really don't have time for us to drill deep today on what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 when he says that your body is as much a temple as any building that's ever been built. You don't have to fly across the ocean to be in the places that God hangs out. But when I talk about showing up in the places where God hangs out, what I have in mind is not a building or a geography. I'm talking about practices. I'm talking about a word that's become unfashionable, except with parents. I'm talking about disciplines. Because we are disciples, which means we are followers. And disciplines are the steps that disciples take to follow Jesus wherever he's hanging out. It wasn't very long ago in this church that you heard me talking about some of our disciplines, the core disciplines that we all commit to each other. In this congregation, we have five core disciplines that are at the heart of our commitment. We commit ourselves to prayer, presence, gifts, service, and witness, just like we said a moment ago. If you followed along with our Advent devotion, you heard about some other disciplines that have kept Christians following after Jesus for a very long time. You might have checked in every day as we asked ourselves some deep probing questions of self-examination that went everywhere from, am I going to bed on time? To, is Jesus real in me? And this month, if you'd like to grow in your discipline, the very best, most practical advice I can give you is that you join our pastor, Kathy Jorgensen, in the study she'll be teaching starting in a few weeks called Companions in Christ. It's a wonderful in-depth class that explores the whole variety and depth of Christian disciplines and the practices that help us draw closer to God. And you'll find in that class that the disciplines of the Christian faith are as wide and as varied as the Bible is. The Bible that is full of poetry and history and laws and letters and symbols and visions and proverbs. There is just as much variety in the Bible as there are in Christian practice. And there's just as much variety in Christian practice as there is within the scriptures. And there's also just as much importance. This is difficult. And it may be hard to accept for some of you, so I'm gonna say it again, real slow. Our disciplines are as important to our faith as our Bible. Maybe that seems exaggerated to you, but it should be obvious. Billy Graham himself used to say, the Bible is an uninteresting book when it's closed. Having a Bible is no big deal. But reading the Bible, studying the scriptures, praying with God's word, these are all disciplines. We are not made holy by standing near a Bible. But it's when we read and study and pray the Bible that we are hanging out where God speaks. 
And when we put ourselves in the places where God hangs out, he does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He picks us up so that we can run toward holiness. Someone asked me just last week after our first sermon on holiness, they said, can you help me understand? I, I may have misheard you. Do you really think that we can be like perfect? Which it turns out is the perfect question to ask a Methodist preacher because I had the chance to share the good news all over again. The good news that, yeah, of course we can be perfect. Not because of who we are, but because of who God is and what God is capable of doing. Our bodies and our minds will not be made perfect until they are resurrected. But 1 Peter 1 last week reminded us that our hearts, our motivations, our desires can be purified here and now. John Wesley used to say that our bodies will never be made perfect until the resurrection. Our strength and our knowledge are made perfect in the resurrection. But here and now, God can make us perfect in love. And that's what all our disciplines point us to. They invite us to hang out where God does simply because we love God and want to learn to love God more. The disciplines are God's invitation to hang out where God does, to be with the one who loves us and who made us for love. And if you've only ever known spiritual disciplines as a kind of punishment, or something to fear, then let today be the day that you surrender to something that is so much better. Surrender to the joy of being in the places where God hangs out. And if you've been hanging out there for a while, wondering why you haven't quite made it yet, then hear the good news. You were never gonna make your own way. You weren't meant to. None of us can. You were always gonna need help and help is on the way. Stay close to the places where God hangs out and when the time comes, it'll be nothing you expected and everything that you needed, everything you've been waiting for. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.